0: Alright, what is up? Happy Monday. This is Couch Potato Diary uh, coming at you a little bit later than normal today as there was breaking news from the hockey world. We will get into that in a little bit. It Also, it started to bubble right as I was preparing to do something else uh, for this, so that saved me some time. And also, always like being able to extend things a little bit more, uh, so have a, a fun thing. I think it's fun anyway, on the Tampa Bay Lightning coming up on Wednesday. I suppose that's where I could start. They, I, I haven't had a show since they won the Stanley Cup. So let's start there. Uh, but first, again, thank you very much for downloading. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, wherever possible. That's how this thing grows. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv PrimetimePK. You can email the show, diary at yahoo.com. And the music is provided by Wasted Talent. All right, let's go. Tampa Bay Lightning are the Stanley Cup champions. Yep. Yep, they are. And we kind of knew this is how this was going to go after the first couple of games of the series. And it, it's just, like I said, I'm going to go more on the Tampa Bay Lightning on Wednesday's show with the breaking hockey news. I thought kind of having Wednesday, especially with the sports world starting to slow down a little bit, I thought having Wednesday as a, a show would be a, a, more of a Tampa Bay Lightning show would be a, a better call. But just quickly, like you, you look at the roster, and yeah, they, they were kind of selling the last dance thing. This is still, like, the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be fine. There is absolutely, in my opinion, no question about that. They're going to have to make a couple of moves that are going to be pretty difficult, and there are going to be players on this team the Tampa Bay Lightning fans fell in love with who are just not going to be there anymore. And that's, that is always a difficult part of a championship-winning team. But what was built in Tampa Bay has been... Really great. And when you look back over the years, like just just a wonderfully assembled hockey team and built the way that you want to build things, like just really kind of turned into a a model organization and I understand while I'm saying this a lot of people are rolling their eyes with the 18 million dollars over in cap space and I talked about this in a couple of shows I could not give less of a shit about Tampa Bay going over the salary cap and it's going to tie in nicely um people who listened at my last spot know I love the segues it ties in nicely with one of the teams we're going to talk about today just because you had extra cap space doesn't mean that hey look at this this team is Unbelievable. A, this team was basically built a while ago, and they had to have some salary cap gymnastics going on, we'll call it, to fit everything under. But look at one of the teams we're going to talk about today, and that would be the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, as they did not have the services of one of their top players all season long, that would be Jonathan Taves. Now I understand Jonathan Taves as he currently sits in the National Hockey League, not where he used to be, That that is clear. But, his $10.5 million and Brent Seabrook's $6.87 million were off the books for most of the year last year. Um, potentially even in all of, was Seabrook off the whole year as well? See, this is why you need to do research instead of thinking of hilarious things to tweet about the Edmonton Oilers. So, both Seabrook and Taves didn't play all season long. So their long-term injury spot on cap friendly right now is $21 million. So, by the theory we are working with with the Tampa Bay Lightning that the only reason they won was because Nikita Kucherov didn't play every didn't play the whole season and we'll get to that bit of bullshit in a second. But by this logic, Chicago Blackhawks should have been the Stanley Cup champions. They had $21 million in cap space to work with. How how are you not just completely lighting the world on fire with, with all of this extra money to be able to spend? Oh wait, you, you need you need talented hockey players as well. What? It's not just the cap space thing. Oh, oh my mistake. I I thought just because you had extra cap space meant that you were the best team around. Did the extra cap space benefit the Tampa Bay Lightning? You're goddamn right it did. Did having Nikita Kucherov not play a second? in the regular season, benefit the Tampa Bay Lightning? Not a fucking chance. I just don't understand how you can say, well, this team didn't have their best player all season long, so obviously they cheated. What? Are you kidding me? A, it's not cheating, it's in the rules. Literally every team's allowed to do this. Now, there would be investigations if every team just all of a sudden... John Tavares didn't play for a full season but the team in question now the Chicago Blackhawks did this before Antoine Vermette fit under the salary cap because I think it was uh Patty Kane just all of a sudden miraculously healed at the start of the playoffs and you know what fine if you can pull that off and if you can make the playoffs without your best player cool go for it if you want to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning and just try to roll through the Stanley Cup without a fucking second of home ice advantage because you finished as the third seed on in your side of things cool go for it and if you can win the Stanley Cup doing that all the power to you I have no inkling of feeling betrayed or let down or whatever by the Tampa Bay Lightning does this set a dangerous precedent? No, it doesn't. Not every star player gets hurt. The only one I can kind of see messing around with this now, that looked really bad for John Tavares in the playoffs. Could the Leafs be like, hey, yeah, his his brain, like you know how brains work. Oh, you don't? Well, no one really does. So maybe he sits out this whole year. And yeah, look at that. I mean, Taylor Hall's contract just happens to kind of fit right in there. That would be amazing and hilarious if they did that. Uh, they're not going to. But like, I, I just... I, I will never, ever look at a team and say they cheated because a former 40-goal scorer and Hart Trophy winner had to sit out the whole year. Get off of that soapbox. Now, Chicago. They trade Duncan Keith to the Edmonton Oilers, which, when Elliot tweeted that out, everyone's initial response was... Um, when Elliot tweeted out from the other day that it was a either Pacific or Western Canadian hockey team Everyone immediately went to Vancouver because the Canucks have been doing dumb shit for years. And I was like, no, man, this is screaming Oilers. This team needs defensive help. Oh, well, this guy was great 10 years ago. Let's go pick him up. In terms of like just crushing either side on this, Obviously, for Chicago, this is a difficult trade to make because this is someone who is a very big part of your franchise for a very, very long time. And we talk about difficult decisions to make with the Tampa Bay Lightning having to trade away young players when um, they are part of something special. Duncan Keith is a legacy in Chicago. They do not... Like, I, I know... Kane and Taves get more of the headlines, but Duncan Keith was probably one of the most important pieces, maybe the most important piece, on that Chicago Blackhawks team, what he was able to do on that Blackhawks blue line for the the dynastic run that that team went on. And, And so, for a team like Chicago who was nothing for a very long time because of mismanagement and now this golden era comes up, to now have to sell off parts of that, it becomes a little bit more difficult. The contract itself of all the contracts that you're trying to move out of chicago isn't actually that bad like 5.53 million dollars it's not ideal but of the contracts they have to move it's far from the worst what i don't understand from an edmonton oiler standpoint i get you you want to be better defensively no salary retention hey like in a time where the salary cap ain't moving for a while and now we're coming up on an expansion draft and I, I haven't gone through the Oilers one yet, but I, I just, to think, oh, well, we need definitely need to have to protect more players. I don't get it. Like, it, if you suggest to Chicago to even retain a couple million dollars on this, are they walking away? Really? Are they, are they making you throw in a second instead of a third for Caleb Jones? Now, they don't have their second round pick this year, but next year second. Like, I, I just, with salary cap space, being as limited as it is, the Edmonton Oilers deciding that $5.5 million needs to be put on a 37-year-old defenseman, who at this point is not what he used to be, definitely not. And I would just suggest is super duper average at this point. At his peak, he is, I say, an average defender. I don't get it. If you're trading for Duncan Keith five years ago, then sure. But for the next two years of Duncan Keith to be an average defender, like I just, I don't think they got better. I, I made the joke on Twitter. I mean, sure the Oilers didn't get better, but at least they got more expensive. Like that's that's kind of where I'm at with this deal. I, I, I don't think this is an improvement on your hockey club and you just took away $5 million in, cal, uh, in, in salary cap space. What? Why? What? Why? And the the, the Chicago return on this, all due respect to Caleb Jones, has not a fucking thing to do with Caleb Jones. And I'm swearing a lot and I I apologize. But Caleb Jones, again, average to slightly below average NHL defenseman. A a fine American Hockey League defenseman. Third round pick might turn into nothing, might turn into something. But for Chicago to get so much more salary cap, to get all of that salary cap space back at a time where no one has salary cap space, I just, I can't wrap my head around this. I, I honestly, looking at the Edmonton blue line right now, Do they need help defensively? Yeah, yeah, they do. Is Duncan Keith better than Darnell Nurse right now? I don't think so. Is Duncan Keith, like, I was gonna go through the, is he better than these guys? I forgot how crappy the Oilers blue line was. But the point is, like, this is not, he all of a sudden becomes your highest paid defenseman and he is not your best defenseman. And like, is there a world where Broberg, Bouchard, and Ethan Bear are just better than Duncan Keith this year? Yes there is. You you have basically, like, I I just, I can't, I I honestly can't figure out what Edmonton is thinking in this situation. And for Chicago, this is a gigantic win for the Blackhawks to, again, clear out an extra $5 million in salary cap space, $5.38 million in salary cap space for a team that had six going into today. Now, just looking at things, it doesn't look like they have like a monster contract to figure out. So all of a sudden now, you have about $11 million to go have some fun with, kids. The Blackhawks are still a bit of ways away from things. But, I mean, I, I like to bring it. I like Kubalik a lot. And I think Brett Connolly, he's 29. He might be something. But, uh, like, Kirby Doc is going to be a thing. There are at least pieces now for Chicago. And if you can... I don't think the Blackhawks go big game hunting. That that is not what they need. They don't need another big ticket on there. But if you spend that money and just kind of spread it out throughout the lineup, this could be a really good offseason for the Chicago Blackhawks. In the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks back in the series with a dominant win in Game 3 last night. And once again, this is one of those things I've talked about. Size is not dead in the NBA. Because the Phoenix Suns went small last night because they had to. And Giannis just annihilated their soul. An unbelievable performance from Giannis Attentacumpo. He was the most dominant force in any sport last night. Um, Like, just, there there was absolutely no answer for him. And for the Phoenix Suns, this is a problem now. And it's not like we're waking up in Game 3 and go, Oh my god, Giannis might actually be an issue. You knew going in he was going to be an issue. He was phenomenal in Game 2. But now this one... It's tricky for the Suns because... With the 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 Saric injury, there isn't another bat. Like you're not going to throw Kaminsky at him, so you kind of have to go small when Aiton's not on the floor, and Aiton gets himself into foul trouble, and it was just over. And the problem is, we talk about adjustments a lot. I don't know what the adjustment is, unless you just quadruple team Giannis. You know how like the the Raptors against the uh, against Golden State and against the the Boston Celtics kind of went box and one on Curry and on Kemba. I wonder if the Bucks or if the Suns kind of do the opposite. If they go like, box in one, but instead of the one being isolated on one player, the box is just surrounding Giannis wherever he goes, like like a bunch of puppies when you have a treat up in the air and they're all just kind of swarming around it. Because he, he was unstoppable last night, and Cam Johnson tried, and Cam Johnson caught a body last night with B.J. Tucker, but aside from that, rough night for your boy Cam Johnson because Giannis just—there th- was— there is no defending him with how dominant he was last night. And you can't put Kaminsky in there. The The adjustment is Aiton can't get into foul trouble. And whether that means you have to kind of protect him a little bit more or whatever it is, it becomes... Like, it's just... It is the talking point, I think, of the series now. It, and who would have thought coming in, like, Aiton just is the key to this series because otherwise they get destroyed. That That's, that's the only... The only thing I can think of is Aiton can't get into foul trouble and he all of a sudden becomes the most impactful player and the most important player, I guess, in this series. I was surprised at no Booker in the fourth quarter. I know that's been brought up today, but we've seen massive, come even in this game, the Suns got it back down to four, but Devin Booker not having a great game and then sitting him, it can't be the rest thing because they have two days off now between games. It doesn't make any sense to me i don't think the finals are a time you send a message if booker's banged up and we're not gonna find out about it until after then maybe that's an issue but i yeah i i didn't like that one at all and i even thought chris paul kind of sat a little bit too much i thought they needed to bring him back as the ties were turning in that game as well and i understand you kind of have your rotation set and all of that but things change when you're down 15 in the nba finals i i personally think anyway this doesn't mean the series is over, far from it. Um, Booker's not going to play that bad again. The eight and foul trouble thing, I think, is a, a legitimate concern, because now if you're Milwaukee, you just go right at him. The, the talk going into these next two days, because the, the next game isn't until Wednesday, the, the talk coming into these next two days is going to be, oh, well, who does the, the rest help more? Well, the, the Phoenix Suns kind of getting beat up a little bit by Giannis. Maybe that's it. And Giannis, his, his knee is healing more and more each day. And yeah, giving him two days off of that thing, probably going to help. Which is scary, because he just dropped 40-10 and 10 for the second game in a row in the NBA Finals. I think the biggest benefit is for the Phoenix Suns, because they now have two days to sit and figure out, what the hell do we do if this happens again? Because Ayton is not immune to foul trouble. This was not some form of, oh my goodness, how... He got into foul trouble? That, that, threatened, that thought never crossed my mind. Um... I think the Phoenix Suns need these next couple of games to kind of game plan. What do you do with Giannis when you have to go small? Because the answer is not Frank Kaminsky. And clearly we saw last night, the answer is not Cam Johnson either. But a good win for the, the Milwaukee Bucks. Drew Holiday had a much better game when he absolutely had to. Finally, he shows up in these NBA Finals. We talked the other day about how important he needed to be for Milwaukee just based on what they gave up for him. But overall, Milwaukee has to be thrilled with that performance. The crowd was great. Giannis an and all-time great performance and you're looking at a performance that if Phoenix still holds on to win this series maybe you give him finals MVP anyway I can't imagine they would because of the Chris Paul story but if Phoenix wins these next two and Giannis is even just his average self then you have to at least consider it don't you <laughs> Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where where the A's would be, and they got some new stuff. Check it out now. I thought we got an interesting look at the sticky stuff conversation in baseball yesterday, and this is one of the things we kind of need to calm down on when it comes to the sticky stuff conversation. Garrett Cole um, had a few bad outings post sticky stuff enforcement and so the natural hey look at that look at that look at that look at that is to say well he was clearly using sticky stuff and i i thought all along and i wish i would have brought it up before because damn what i've seen smart but i i thought the whole time like hey maybe he's just having a bad couple of outings like can is that possible some of the greatest pitchers of all time have sucked for a month before that that's just that that happens. That is sports. Not this isn't a video game where all these guys just stay consistent the whole time. Sometimes that there's there's ups and there's downs and there's all arounds. I don't think it's because of a sticky stuff thing. I just think he's been relatively ineffective for a little bit. But we are we are so quick to try to catch the Brady Anderson, where it was obvious. It's kind of obvious he was using steroids because every other season in his career, one of these things is not like the other. Um, that's fine to pick out over a season. Because you're not going to have that type of a breakout season. Like, some guys will have somewhat of a a breakout season, but you're not going to have... I need to look at this up again. Because it was... First of all, handsome man. Very handsome man. You know it's going to be highlighted in black on here. Yeah. So, Brady Anderson, in the 1995 season, hit 262 with a 371 on base percentage and 16 home runs. Fine Major League Baseball numbers. In fact, if we... Look at the, the first times he he fully pl- he plays kind of a a full season up to the 95 season from 1988 to 1995 with the Boston Red Sox and Baltimore Orioles. Brady Anderson played 945 games, hit 72 home runs with a 3-4 three, with 346 runs batted in and a 250 batting average. A fine major league baseball player. Then in 1996 Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs. The year after that, he hit 18. I almost respect the guy for being like, you know what? I I am just going to redline this thing all season long and let's just see what happens. Like he basically tried the thing that the guy um, who made the documentary uh, Icarus basically tried what that guy was thinking of doing with, hey, let's just see what happens when I'm on and when I'm off. But the fact that he almost eclipsed his home run total from the previous seven seasons in one season, bravo. Amazingly ballsy to, to try to pull that off. Long-winded way of saying, it was obvious he was doing something. But it was obvious over the course of a season, not over the course of a month. And it, it I don't know if it's just the way things are today or anything like that, or everyone just wants to be right right away, but... To just try to immediately, oh, yep, sticky stuff. After a month, like give give it time. Give it time to play We don't have to catch all these guys right away. It's okay, we'll be fine. Took some of us years to catch people in steroids. Some of these guys are just going to have bad months, and Garrett Cole did, and then the other night against the the Houston Astros, that is an all-time performance. It is an all-time moment where he is screaming at the the manager on the mound, and then to, to get the win, and that looks like a, honestly, I was looking at it, I was looking at it from a Blue Jays perspective, kind of a, oh shit, here come the Yankees. And then they blow a lead the next game, and it's fine. Yankees have some problems, too. I mean, they have a lot of problems, but... And no no tears shed for Araldis Chapman on this podcast, for sure. But no Aroldis Chapman when you're blowing leads all over the place. I, I find it interesting. And I think that's going to be one of the more interesting stories to watch as the baseball season rolls along is what do the Yankees do? We're just a few weeks away from baseball's trade deadline, and the Yankees are in fourth with a run differential of UNO. Like, you you looked at um, expected wins based on your plus-minus and everything like that. The Yankees are one game better than they should be. For reference, the Blue Jays are five games off the pace that they're supposed to be. Uh, Same with the the Red Sox. The the Rays are basically right where they are supposed to be. But that is at plus 85 with the, the win total they have. The Yankees are basically a 500 baseball team and aren't supposed to be as good as they've been. Like, it's... They have some issues out in New York and to suggest that they're going to be buyers at the trade deadline, which is what they've suggested. Okay, sweet. You got eight games to make up in the American League East and they have four and a half to make up in the wildcard race. Now, the thing that benefits them is... The teams ahead of them, Toronto, Seattle, and Oakland. We talked a little bit before about Toronto's schedule post All-Star break. That They have one of the 10 or 11 easiest schedules in baseball going forward. The Mariners ahead of the Blue Jays aren't very good. Oakland, I don't know how they keep doing it. I don't know how much I buy it. They seem like a team that could be caught. And then you look behind them, Cleveland, LA, Detroit. Like, that, there's just there isn't a whole lot in the American League wildcard race this year that seems overly threatening. And so for the Blue Jays and for the Yankees, it does seem like there is an opportunity to try to move up, but it just, it feels like the Yankees have a longer way to go than the Blue Jays do, even though those two teams are tied. But looking at the second half of the baseball season, like this is is gonna be a fun last little stretch. Like we just went through the American League wildcard and while it doesn't seem like the most dramatic, you go over and look at things in the National League, and it got a little bit shittier this week with Acuna going down with an injury. But look at the Reds hanging around at three and a half games back. I think with Alex Anthopoulos, I believe he will be aggressive at this year's trade deadline. And I think you look at him and you look at the Phillies trying to move their way up. But right now, the two teams in that wildcard spot for the National League, the Dodgers and the Padres, that... It is shaping up to be a Lakers v. Uh, v Golden State in the the one-game play-in game in the NBA, only that is shaping up in baseball. The, the rest of the playoff races, I, I was starting this off by saying, like, hey, this is going to be an exciting stretch. Maybe it isn't. Like, you have the NOS that's going to be close. I don't think San, uh, San Francisco holds on to that. Dodgers are two games back of them. The Reds are four games back in Milwaukee, but... Mil- after that, like the Cubs are going to be in sellers mode. The Cardinals don't have anyone who could pitch, and the Pirates are making a hell of a case to be uh, picking number one overall for the second year in a row. In the National League East, like the Mets have a three and a half game lead on the Phillies. I think they are so superior talent wise to the Phillies. Like, this was if the Phillies or the Braves. We're going to pass the Mets, it was going to be early in the season when the Mets had all of those injury issues. Now, they have not had an overly difficult schedule to play so far this year. Their record against teams with above 500 records is 16-15, to which means they've played 31 games against teams with above 500 records. Half as many as the Blue Jays have played so far this season. Just a, a point of reference. But still, the Mets feel like they are primed to run away with this in the national or in the american league houston just feels so much better than oakland and the mariners the central's already done the white Sox are the only team with a positive run differential they are at plus 117 cleveland's at minus 16 like it's it's just the central is done and then you have the american league east which could be interesting but the blue jays need to get going and so do the yankees so maybe it's not going to be as exciting uh, a final stretch in baseball as I, I thought it was going to be. I hope it is, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Finally in the UFC, Conor McGregor. I, I wanted to do a big week for this last week and then just wasn't able to with all the, the different stuff going on family-wise. Again, I said on Twitter before, everyone is fine. Everyone's awesome. Uh, it there There is literally nothing concerning going on. It's just there's a lot of family things that are going on. So, Didn't seem like the best time to just be diving into UFC stuff. But, uh, Saturday night, Conor McGregor ends up falling, literally and figuratively, against Dustin Poirier. A couple of notes from this. One, we need to stop in a fight saying that when a guy gets injured in that fight that he didn't actually lose the fight. One of the things that you look at in a fight is how well does this guy's body hold up whilst fighting. If his body literally falls apart in front of you, seems like he lost, doesn't it? I don't, I, I will never understand that. The goal of a mixed martial arts fight, like there is a competition aspect of this and we, we have even heard, going back to you, uh, to the Ultimate Fighter season one, where guys were saying, I don't like hurting people. I just like competing. I, I 100% believe that. Although the goal of the fight is to hurt someone and have them hurted so much that the fight has to end. That's what happened! Conor McGregor's leg broke while he was fighting a guy. And you're going to say that guy didn't win? It was not not a fluke. There are a couple of videos now, whether it's a bunch of kicks or whether it was um, throwing a high kick that ends up hitting Poirier's elbow and then his leg breaks after that. He threw a technique that when it hit Dustin Poirier, his body could not hold up and thus he lost. That's how this shit works. More often than not, like 99% of the time, it's with the brain where I I have hit a part of your body and now that doesn't work anymore and the lights have been shut off or I have made you submit. that This is just, it's becoming more common, but just because it's a weird way for a fight to end doesn't mean it's not a legitimate way for a fight to end. And also, Dustin Poirier was whooping that ass before the uh, leg break happened. Like there are 10-8 scorecards on two judges, um, 10-8 scorecards on two judges' scorecards before, uh, going into the second round. And, for all you want to say, oh yeah, well it's only one round. Have you seen any Conor fight? In what Conor fight? Does he get better as the fight goes on? He's not, he has never been a, well, he's just going to outlast this guy with his tremendous cardio. eh. That's not how it goes. It's Boy, hope he kicks him, or hope he knocks him out early, because if he doesn't, might guess out a little bit. In this this back part of Connor's career, the cardio has not been there. For Dustin Poirier, dude could run a marathon and still kick his ass. I, I don't, I... If you want to hold on to this Mystic Mac thing, then fine. But at least make the arguments make sense. Everyone said going into that fight... If Conor's going to win, he has to knock him out early. He didn't knock him out early. Instead, he was getting his ass kicked. But then you want to say, oh, well, he would have got him later. Really? Based on what? And then Conor... I don't want to give Conor too much of a pass for the post-fight stuff. Because I, I generally think... If I'm trash-talking with you, like if we are having a back-and-forth, and you have to devolve into... Duh, your wife's a hoe and she's in my DMs. I've won. That means you don't got shit anymore. It, Conor McGregor, there were, t- like, some of his trash talk with, with Floyd Mayweather. Uh, crossed some lines. Crossed some lines with Khabib. But some of the other stuff, funny as fuck. And the best trash talk is creative trash talk. And I get, there is a certain segment of the audience that will drag their knuckles to every Conor fight, and that will be fine, but... One of the, the draws of Connor is the, the way he phrases things and how eloquently he puts things. And I get his leg just got put into, so probably not the time to recite poetry, but to resort to your wife's a hoe and she's in my DMs, that's not creative. Dumbass Greg Hardy could have come with, up with that. Calling Derek Lewis an ex con. Uh, do, do you know you? But for. For Connor to go to the, your wife to hoe and all of this stuff, like, that's just, that's not creative anymore. And if you're not going to be great at fighting and you're not going to be creative with the trash talk, just go punch old guys in bars and sell whiskey because that's apparently all you're good at. And this is coming from a guy who's a Connor fan, but that 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 really rubbed me the wrong way on Saturday. I don't think they should have done the interview anyway, but, like, yeah, it, it just, it I did not, like, any of that for Poirier. Now he goes off and this will be great for Poirier because I think he beats Charles Oliveira to cement himself as one of the greatest 155 pound fighters in, excuse me, in the history of the sport. And then he gets to money in my favorite corner again, that he can probably win. Like this is, this is working out so much better for Dustin Poirier than you could have ever imagined. I, and cause I, I, I do think that he has moved up a level in the public consciousness. I, I don't think this is going to be a Holly Holm type of a situation where she doesn't become a draw with, ronda rousey or anything like that you look at the ufc right now in terms of what they have for draws and also they have a deal with espn like espn would love for them like they're not going to turn away pay-per-view money but they're fine pay-per-view wise like it's 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 okay if a couple of these don't do massive pay-per-view buys at at this point they would like them to but it's not going to kill the business or anything like that but dustin poirier has now moved up a level like this is this is pro wrestling shit You have basically the heel has now made a strong baby face by putting him over. And then in the the next one, there's enough controversy, I guess, that you can do another one while the other guy continues to build up his name. Like this, this works out so well for Dustin Poirier and and for the UFC. Um, Connor's always going to be a draw that at least for a very long time. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that's going away. And also, like, while I'm, I am not happy with what Conor said, some of the pearl clutching about, oh, this is bad for the sport. No, it's not. There's, UFC has had a place now where if that shit really offended you, you're not watching anyway. So like, I, I don't know how many people really legitimately got turned off by what Conor McGregor said the other night. Like that there's just, there's a lot of overreacting going on, but I, I didn't like it, but I don't think it's going to ruin the sport either. One last note, um, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Paul Orndorff, passed away the other night, or um, this morning, I suppose. We found out about it anyway. Unbelievable career. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame-worthy career. I want to do more on this on Friday, but I, I just wanted to, to make note, because he is someone who kind of gets forgotten about when it comes to that WrestleMania, WrestleMania 1 main event. He, he kind of just seems like the other guy, but he was a big part of that, and He he is a legitimate wrestling legend and and I think needs to be remembered as such. So, um it's unfortunate I had the opportunity to 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 interview him. Even during that, it was relatively clear. Um, Mr. Wonderful wasn't all the way with us even at that point. And there are times of that where it was really, really tough, but there was also times of that where you could get him going, you could hear the passion he had for the industry and the love that he had for this industry And, and the the Note that his son left, I thought, was just beautiful when he said, for those of you who hated him, just know my father loved you for it. And as a a heel in pro wrestling, that's all you could ask for. So rest in peace to Mr. Wonderful. Congratulations on an incredible life lived and a legendary wrestling career left behind. That is going to do it for Couch Potato Diary here on this Monday. Coming up on Wednesday, like I said, going to be... We'll be getting ready for the NBA Finals. The NBA, MLB All-Star game will be behind us. So we're going to be looking forward to the second half of the season. And I want to do a lot more on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Just decided to push that a day with everything going on with the Edmonton Oilers. And it was kind of getting late in the day for me to do this. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimecline. Have had some really nice notes on our Okotoks Dogs coverage. That has been That has been a blast. Uh, I know we're in the the, the sign out portion of this year, but Saturday night's game, bases loaded, two out, bottom of the ninth, two run ball game. Dogs had bases loaded twice in the eighth and in the ninth. The the dramatics of that, I loved every second of it. I hope you were able to tune in. If you miss any of the games, they're all up on YouTube. Um, I I would very much recommend you check it out because you're seeing a lot of the players drafted are teammates of these guys who are playing in Okotok's Dogs games. So the, the level of ball is quite high. I'm having a blast with that. Anyway, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. The music that you're listening to from Wasted Talent, you can find them at of Talent with X's where the A's would be. Their producer is Tommy Fresh Music on Instagram. If you haven't heard enough from me, We Had No Idea it is General History Podcast. Check that out every Wednesday. It's myself and my wife. Really proud of the work that we've been doing on that over the last few weeks. So check that out. And if you don't, either way, talking to y'all Wednesday. I'm out.